What is up? This is Alex Osterley, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Food Marketing Nerds. Today, we're chatting with Matt Demore, CEO of Yumbutter, about scaling a B Corp and increasing the positive impact that your business can really have on the world. Matt and his business partner at the time founded Yumbutter with only $900 and zero industry experience. And in this last year, they've grown their distribution from around 750 stores to over 4,000. Now, in this episode, you're going to learn where the bottlenecks are that come with scaling a CPG brand the challenges and benefits of running a certified B Corp, and really how to increase awareness around a bigger mission when you get into new stores. And uh, the ways that they're doing this is, is pretty innovative and pretty cool. So if you're growing a CPG brand with a mission to give back to the community, then you're really going to enjoy this one. Let's go talk with Matt. Welcome to the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast, where we talk marketing, branding, and social media with the smartest minds in the business. Here's your host, Alex Osterley. Matt, thank you so much for coming on to Food Marketing Nerds. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. So can you give our listeners just a little bit of background into your career and a little more information about Yum Butter? I'll start with myself. Grew up in a, an entrepreneurial family in very central Wisconsin. It was kind of like the Disneyland of the Midwest. And we had a very small family-run business. We were in the resort business. Just learned a lot about very rudimentary business philosophies and ethics and things of that nature. And from there, went to college, also in Wisconsin, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, studied business. After that, traveled a little bit after college, found my way back in Madison, which led me to the foundation of creating Yum Butter. Yum Butter, for the listeners who don't know, we craft mouth-rocking, world-changing nut butters. Moth-rocking aspect of that, we're using amazing organic nut seeds and superfoods for all of our bases and inclusions. And then the world-changing aspect, which I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit, just more about the philosophy of why we're doing what we're doing. We have seven-ounce multi-serving pouches, and that's been something that has gotten us on the map a little bit, as well as our traditional 60-ounce glass jars. And so what was the, I guess, the inspiration behind founding Yum Butter? So Yum Butter really was... It was founded under two main principles. One was our love. Uh, when I say our, it was my co-founder, Adrian Reef and myself, our love of, of the food itself. So we'd always been fueling ourselves with nut butters. Adrian was super athletic, uh, along with myself. It was always just a great alternative snack and fuel. But more importantly, when we got together, we first established, okay, great, we, we've, we've got this amazing love for nut butters, awesome. But what about this whole aspect of like how businesses are being run today? And um, both love dissecting systems and structures and looking at trends and basically noticing that, in our opinion, how things were being done wasn't leading towards the best outcomes. And so what could we do in our small little bubble to create what we would call a new paradigm or uh, our way of doing business? We took a lot of inspiration from some amazing companies that have been doing that forever. So it's not like we reinvented or invented any new wheel. Brands like Patagonia, who is one of our brands that we love, obviously Tom Shoes and people who are doing more of the, the buy one, get one or buy one, feed one model. But that's really where we have a deep passion is like, how can we continually improve the current system to be more inclusive as opposed to exclusive and and really create positive change with every aspect or element of the business. So can you speak a little more to the idea of uh, when you guys first started Yum Butter and we're looking at, at food systems and, and just processes in general and maybe give some ex- specific examples of how you guys moved away from the status quo? Sure, absolutely. Well, one is we have we always play with some of our wording and 
we call it holistic responsibility. So basically, is there any element of the business that we're touching, whether it be from the supply chain, whether it be from the actual materials that we're using, uh, how we're treating our employees, that can be done differently and to create a win-win-win. So starting with the basic component and I'll work external to internal, we do a thing called buy one, feed one, which is similar to like the Tom's Shoes type of model. So for every unit of Yum Butter that's purchased, we provide holistic health care to children and moms in need. So right there alone, it's like, okay, it's the gift that keeps on giving in our mind. And not only are you putting amazing organic, you know, Yum Butter in your belly, but you're also helping feed and also do dental and medical work for somebody else. So instantaneously, it's that our business is, is being a catalyst always for something outside of ourselves. Taking it back into that that nucleus, our production, we, we've partnered with, um, and part of our production, I should say, a facility that uh, employs people with disabilities, and they're actually paid minimum wage and up to help produce some of our jars. And then, you know, just every single aspect, whether it's from our labels, we're looking at using materials that aren't paper-based, um, where we host our website, to how our employee days are structured and things of that nature. Basically just saying, how can we continue to, like, work with how things are now versus how things were before? And it can kind of continually show, for example, like the biggest stuff, like with the buy one, feed one, there's a lot of people that says, great. But, uh, you know, that's all kind of like foofy or airy-fairy and stuff. And, um, yeah, you know, the business is strictly about paying back its investors. And for us to be like, absolutely, we can do that. And we can do this other part of the business as well. Because it's, we feel like that that business has the, the greatest potential to create change. And so let's try to bundle everything within that context that we can and not exclude anything out. And I'm I'm definitely interested in hearing more and getting more into the buy one feed one program and all the differentiating factors about Yum Butter, the great things you guys have going on with your company mission. Uh, kind of backtracking to the foundation of the company and how you've grown into the organization you guys are today. So you first started out with nine hundred dollars. Yep. You want me to go into that story just a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. When we came together, sometimes I think it's like ignorance is bliss, right? Where you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And then sometimes when you know it, you wonder if you'd ever do it again. So Adrian and I like, we just set out with just a huge drive. I call it the beginner's mind. So coming to whatever we are in a humble place, knowing that we really didn't know much. We both didn't have any experience within the food industry. I had a, a fairly decent uh, scope of like the inner workings of business after growing up with my family business. So we just came to the table being like, you know what, we don't quite know how we're going to do this. We really don't know what we're getting into, but we're going to go for it anyways. And uh, there's potentially some wisdom in that. Maybe not. Depends on how you look at it. But we started out with literally like 900 bucks. We went to the local Home Depot, bought a food processor because that's how we thought you would you know, make nut butter. And we called our friend who... Um, at the time, and still does, has an amazing bake shop uh, in Madison. And we said, hey, you know, Anne-Marie, I, I think we need to have this thing called the commercial kitchen to produce our nut butters. And she kind of chuckled. And so we started producing our nut butters in uh, uber small batches, which is like four pound batches. And we did 100 farmers markets for the first year. And we just basically, from that point on, put one foot in front of the other. And it's like, okay, we, we need packaging. Where did packaging come from? We need to have a, you know, really cultivate and tell the story and, and develop the brand. So we really, like, you know, we didn't have any previous industry experience. We didn't have anyone really guiding us per se. And then we did meet a few amazing people who are still 
integral part of, of helping Yum Butter's evolution grow after a while. But uh, that was really the trajectory. It was just like we were really dedicated about doing it. And I always say like scratch your own itch, right? So our market was ourself. We knew that we were speaking to a crowd that was of two at the time, Adrian and myself. And if there was two people out there, we were pretty sure that there was going to be more that had a similar desire to support businesses in the way that we do to run businesses the way in which we would want to run it. And without being naive as well, right? I mean, it's, we don't want to always err on the fact of like why we're doing certain things because at the end of the day, it's, it's the nut butter that drives the ability for us to do other things. So we always stayed focused on making sure that we did produce amazing butters that were fresh and were functional and, and for the jars that didn't leak and X, Y, Z. But that really was the foundation for us, which was just like, you know, have that big heart, big passion, problem solve. And really when we get to barriers, like say, I don't know how we're going to get around this, but we'll just continue to try to figure it out. And then just approach everything with that beginner's mind and say, you know what, be humble enough to ask for help and, and go for it. I agree with you. Ignorance is definitely sometimes it works to your advantage because you do things completely <laughs> different from everybody else in, in, in the industry and it sets you apart. At the same time, right. it, still, it still introduces challenges. So I'm, I'm curious, what whether it's from a, a financing or scale standpoint, what does it look like going from a farmer's market where you're producing it yourself to going... Are you banking the net income from your revenues or sales, or are you looking for mm-hmm. investors to go and right. find a production facility to actually start growing the company and producing at scale? Yep, great question. So initially, it was some very, 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 very small, you know, friends and family money, literally just enough to kind of get us up on our feet, a few thousand dollars, and then from there, it was just kind of turning those profits into, hey, we need to buy, you know, a filler and let's build out our own little small 500 square foot manufacturing space. And and then realize that we weren't going to be able to scale quick enough at the pace that we were able to reinvest in the company. And that's when we decided, okay, we need to get the bank involved. And so we were able to have a small little loan from the bank and, and kind of grow that way. And then kind of stair-stepped it a little bit more and then initially did a few small rounds of of financing where we did take some equity in the company, still very small in friends and family. And that was probably what I would say would be the biggest area that if I were to start fresh tomorrow, how I would approach things a little bit differently. And it's all depending on timing and pace and uh, what your deliverable is and what's happening in the space that you're participating in. But we chose to go more the slower route. And uh, we're doing a few things now that will hopefully set us up for some larger growth. But for the most part, you know, we definitely did like the the stair step and friends and family and bank and then finally to the place where we are now. So just to provide a little context, how long was that time period for the, I guess, the, the slow approach? It's about six years. Six so, years. And again, sometimes that might be like very fast, but in scale, we're still very, very small for everyone listening that are out there in comparison to a lot of the big brands. And we didn't go through the quick accelerator. We didn't do the shark tank and get the big exposure. So there's a lot of things that people are doing now, you know, linking up with other big companies and piggybacking on some of their distribution channels or plugging into a broker network and getting an investment from them and getting shot out into distribution. So again, no wrong way to eat a Reese's in my mind, but uh, that's just the path that we took and we're just kind of doing our thing. So what going back to the, the, the time frame where you guys put your heads together and said, okay, we are going to go need to find more outside funding in order to, to actually scale this or grow this to where we want it to be. 
within the time frame. What were a few of the main bottlenecks that were the catalyst to you guys saying, okay, we need to go out and actually go find some some outside investment or further outside investment? Right. Yeah, that point was right around three to three and a half years. And I had mentioned earlier that we had linked up with a few people who had been in the space before. And one person in particular came to us and she's amazing because she basically drops truth bombs on people and, um, you know, kind of crushes everyone's romantic fairy tale endings of like what everyone thinks it's going to be, <laughs> but in a good way. And she's just like, hey, Matt and Adrian, you know, here's what's going on. And she was uh, had the ability to scale and sell her company in about five years. And she said, here's really what is happening in the food space. And and here's what the cost of going into distribution is. And here's how much it's going to cost for you guys roughly to try to scale, you know, and and have a five to 10,000, you know, door footprint and, and uh, basically just laid out all the costs that we weren't really knowledgeable on. And she said, you know, in order to do this, it's kind of like in the Matrix the movie, like you take the blue pill, you go down that rabbit hole, you take the red pill, you go down that rabbit hole, right? And she's like, this is what's going to happen to your lifestyle, potentially. And it's also like, here's what you, you might have to give up to get. And it's just all the different tracks, because we could write the story, I guess, however we wanted to. And at that time, we said, well, we, we feel like we have this, again, going back to the mission, which is we want to be able to improve the lives of as many people as we can. And we want to provide as much therapeutic and holistic health care to as many children as we can. And we want to use our business as that platform, right? So we're like, we want to have scale. And that was our, our final conclusion. We didn't want to have like a local, we'll call it peanut butter shop with like our back end processing or something like that. We really wanted to have a platform to, to speak from. And that's what we felt like the best way to do it was. So then obviously the biggest bottleneck that you had asked about is that financing piece. And that's really when, well, first of all, we changed the offering. We went from uh, I shouldn't say change. We we really highlighted a different offering, which was from our jars to the pouches. And uh, the pouches are a pretty big reason why we have the distribution that we have today. Could we have done it without the pouches? Probably, maybe not to the scale and maybe not to the awareness, but that really helped us be differentiated in the market on many levels and get the attention of buyers and different things. So it was the combination of the offering got shifted to let's push out the pouch that at that time wasn't really being done in, in the nut butter world yet. And then let's back that up with how can we put some additional financing things in place in order for us to be capitalized to do that. You guys are, are working on the, the production side, the operations. And at the same time, it sounds like you guys are developing this three P's concept. Can you go into that, how that came together? Absolutely. So the three P's that uh, we could say differentiates in quotes, yum butter, potentially from other nut butter companies in the industry is our potions, our packaging and our purpose. We wanted to build the company. And if you think about like a stool, right, there's a lot of times three legs and a lot of times in this space, you can come and you can rip off any sort of flavor combination. People can reverse engineer that in a, in a split second. And for us, we wanted to be multidimensional. So we wanted to develop a really holistic, well-rounded brand. That was almost like our point of differentiation is that we had we had depth to the brand. So the potions is, first of all, we call all of our stuff potions and not flavors or skews, but uh, we believe there's a lot more going on in the pouch or the jar than just the, the nut seeds and superfoods. So we refer to everything by potions. And we always wanted to be pushing the envelope a little bit on what's included into the nut butters without getting too ahead of everyone and, and kind of 
polarizing ourselves to like just like the hyper foodie or um you know something else like that we wanted to be really accessible again going back to the mission we wanted to have the most people you know have access to that the packaging was another point of differentiation that if someone came and said great we're gonna also launch into flexible pouch and we're gonna use organic superfoods and probiotics as well then we had the purpose which is kind of like our last um I don't want to say protection mechanism because that sounds too kind of cutthroaty, but just for us, that well-rounded package is the purpose, which is that ties everything together and that grounds what we're doing, which is our mission is to improve people's lives through food. So really, those three Ps are the foundational pillars of how we are positioning ourselves in the space so that we can have our unique stamp on the, the nut butter space. And was that something you guys came up with on day one or is that, was that a work in progress to come up with that? Yeah, that was, that was definitely a work in progress. We were creating a PowerPoint um, actually for an investor and I'm like, man, how do we, you know, distill this down to something that people can remember and it's easy and it's on the top. And I'm like, oh, it's like our potions packaging and purpose. And I was like, oh, it's our three P's. And so when we do a lot of training calls to our brand ambassadors or for our brokers or whatever like that, that's what I tell people. It's like, hey, you show up at the meeting and it's the Whole Foods buyer sitting across the table from you. Um, and they're like, why in the world is it, you know, this different than from this other butter that I have right here and it's a dollar less, you know? And they're like, well, let me tell you. And so they can kind of go back and revert back to that. So it's definitely a work in progress. And for us, it's almost like identifying what we were already doing, but didn't have context or language or structure around it to talk about it. Interesting. So it's clearly working. You guys are, how many stores are you guys in now? Um, we're in about 4,000 stores. So we, uh, this year was our largest growth year. We started out the year around 750 and then we'll end the year at around 4,000. And a bulk of that was due to our, our national target rollout, which we were very, very happy and excited about. But, uh, yeah, big year for us. Wow. Congratulations. Thanks so much. Is there anything in or any systems or processes in particular that you guys had to implement in order to sustain that kind of increase in distribution? Mm-hmm. I think everything started actually, I am, I always go back to the base. I'm like a very rudimentary kind of nuts and bolts guy. And for me, I start with the team, which is like, okay, everybody, we need to up our communication. And I'm a big, big, big thing on execution. So less is more. Every single thing was, if we're going to do it right, we're going to do it right the first time. And we're not going to go back because going back costs us time and money. So whether it's writing an email from the very basics to, you know, when we're purchasing ingredients and all that, literally just make sure that we as a team are all humming, we're all communicating properly, we're all checking in, there's very clear dissemination of information. So that was like the very first thing that I was like, okay, as we get a lot more static, we need to be very, very clear ourselves. And then from there... Obviously, the next step is just the planning and the purchasing and and making sure that, you know, we try to project appropriate volumes and sell through and stuff that because we don't have a lot of past data to understand from like, okay, what will be the sell through at some of these stores? We don't want to build too heavy or too small. So leaning into that, trying to get as much information from our extended team, like our brokers and stuff. So that would be like the second element. And then the last piece is just making sure that we don't run out of money. You know, it's always the top of mind when you scale. It costs a lot of money, which we talked about. So making sure that all the numbers and the projections and everything like that are matching what we're planning to execute on the front end. So as far as communications internally go, do you guys use a Slack or any sort of project management or is it mainly email? Yeah, you know, it's we do weekly kind of team meetings. And after that, we just... 
we're I'm a, I'm a big phone guy actually I believe that just getting on the phone and just hashing out something that if you have your list at the end of the day is, is really good because you save a lot of time in the back and forth and this and that but it's really just setting the foundation of the basics like literally when you write an email make sure that there's every single thing that that person knows to respond to and that you answer all the questions up front so there's not a, a thread of four it's it's a one and done email and it's a full response and it's locked and done so kind of just going back to like not being lazy actually and, and depending on some of the other systems but just you know make sure everything is kind of fully executed on that front but we use very basic project management software and then it's, it's email and just literally um, verbal and in-person communication. That's great. And that, that has got to be one of the most challenging and important parts of, of growing a business is just keeping that communication streamlined. And I think a phone call is, is probably the, the easiest and quickest way to, to hash that out. Yeah. And some people are actually, it's funny, you know, people are, I feel like are going one way or the other, like completely taking out phone calls or in the like solely relying on emails or texts. But I just found that there's so many people use and their 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 tones and there's just so much room for missing like misinterpreting somebody when you're not talking and again you know for me I just want to make sure that we do everything right the first time and we don't kind of misfire and sometimes I'll even slow the team down so that we can make sure we can execute right and then we go out as opposed to kind of rushing it but it's it's tough you know there's Everything is like a hurry up and wait type of, you know, environment and everything's at the last minute and the whole system is kind of like frenetic energy. And so it's tough to like say, okay, everybody like take a deep breath. But that's something personally and just kind of a little bit of a side tangent. That's something that I'm very, very interested in. I have a holistic health background. So I did a lot of kind of psychological development and communication styles. And so that's like my personal fun that I get to implement into the culture of the company is just having people really understand each other and work on proper communication and clarity and stuff like that. So kind of along that same idea of, of communicating, you guys have this great mission with buy one, feed one program and uh, yep. you're getting into all these, all these new stores relatively quickly. Is there anything that you guys do to, to kickstart sales at a new retail partner or build awareness around the product and your mission? Yeah, we do the best we can to really put a, I'll call it a, a mini campaign ish around any sort of new store launch. So we'll try to layer that with promotions, with demos, with in-store trainings for the buyers, maybe even around any sort of event happening in the area. We have shelf talkers we've created specifically to express the buy one feed one, which most stores actually don't prefer, but the ones, the little independents that allow us, you know, we'll do that. We do welcome kits. So like literally every single store will get a welcome and a thank you note from us explaining, hey, here's all of our everything that they're going to need to do to share the story or to better educate their customer on our food. We, we're not exactly sure of the impact on that yet, but it's my philosophy that like the little things are kind of what sets you apart and helps build the relationships as well with the stores. So that's really build these kind of mini campaigns around each store launch. And now remember for like the ones and twos that might not happen, but especially for like the smaller to medium to larger chain accounts. That's interesting. And, and you mentioned brand ambassadors and you, you're training them on the, the three mm-hmm. P's and the culture of the company. How, do, how does your yep. brand ambassador program work? So there's a lot of great companies out there that help. Um, we tend to lean towards trying to find um, internal people who are in the specific areas and regions that we're looking to have support in. And then from there, it's establishing that personal connection, making sure that they're a good fit, kind of represent the brand well, because 
nine times out of 10, someone who engages with Yum Butter, that might be the only person that they ever associate Yum Butter with. So we really go through a pretty intensive process to like find the right person. And then we do a really, really big education piece on them. And I'll sit on the phone with every single one of them for an hour or two and make sure that we're accessible and that they feel very knowledgeable and comfortable with basically fielding any information and really being that extension of, of Yum Butter. And so are these brand ambassadors going to stores and doing demos? Are they setting up at events or what do you have them doing? Yep, all of the above there. So the bulk of what they're doing is going to be in the stores and doing samplings. They'll help us out for sure at events like we've, we're going to be doing a yoga expo in, in Los Angeles next week. And um, our, our best ambassador out there will be going to the event for us. We have, a again, a smaller type of crew, but we've got a few people on in California, a few people up in like the Pacific Northwest, uh, Washington, Oregon. And so we, we use them for a lot. So it's almost like they're definitely part of the family. And, and if there's other things that we need from them, Let's just say Whole Foods is having like a, a local fair and we're like, hey, we need some representation there or a veg fest or even at Expo West. Or if we do like a publicly facing show, we'll have some of them, you know, come down and help. So we will use them for a lot of stuff. And so I'm sure recruiting brand ambassadors, one of the things that attracts them to Yum Butter is the fact that you guys have this buy one, feed one program, which we've kind of been dancing around and talking about this whole interview. Can you yeah, just right. give some context and, and explain what the buy one, feed one program is and how it works? So buy one, feed one, very simple. For every pouch, like I said, or our jar, we provide holistic health care and therapeutic supplementations for children. We have a personal connection uh, with the clinic that we support. It's in Shela, Guatemala, which is in the Western Hemisphere of Guatemala. We actually started the Buy One, Feed One here in Madison, delivering organic nut butter and five-pound tubs to after-school kids, and realized after a few months when we were getting them all back that the children weren't eating them because they didn't have sugar in the butters, which was really disheartening. So Adrian and I were like, wow, that was kind of a an awakening there. And so we went back and said, well, what, what's happening here versus what's happening outside of, you know, the, our, our borders. And what we felt was happening here was there was just an education piece that was missing where outside of the borders, it was more of an access issue. So we started to then just do more public speaking here and getting into the elementary schools and talking about healthy food for kids here. And then we met up with a gentleman who had been traveling and this was man, I think probably 12 years ago now, he was actually hiking in Guatemala, fell in love with the people and really wanted to use his skills as a doctor to help kind of restore that area, seeing how the rate of malnutrition was so high. And so he started this four-room clinic and literally it's like this old little schoolhouse in the country. You got to take the chicken bus to get there. And he said, I really want to help this area. So he does dental work. He does like deworming practices. So when people have Giardio or crypto or whatever, they can actually like absorb the nutrition that they're getting from the supplementation. But the big point that they do there, which excited Adrian and I the most, is the education piece. So they really do a good job about educating people about good food choices. So not just handing them out some therapeutic supplementations or sachets or fortified whey powder or whatever that they need to give them for their specific condition. They're educating them on why it's good to eat vegetables and the difference between fried foods or whatever that might be. So right now we support primarily the nutrition program, and then we help offset some of the other costs associated with running the clinic. 
And it's really, it's really amazing because we were, we were a significant part of that organization. We've been down there a couple times and have a really personal connection with the people down there. It makes it really real when you go down there and you're literally holding the, the children that, you know, you're helping and taking pictures with them and riding the bus with them and hearing their stories and, and trying to speak Spanish with them. And that's really where, you know, we're able to help right now. And we're always looking at ways to expand the give in a way that kind of fits within our structure, fits within our size, fits within our financial means. And again, going back to that, taking things almost full circle about, okay, that's great. This is what we can do. But like, what's kind of like the next evolution? And we get really excited about that education and kind of teaching people the fish model as opposed to fishing for them. So we've got a lot of cool ideas that we're looking into, but it's always just uh, exciting because scale for us and, and a bigger platform means, you know, we get to be more creative on how we can put more smiles on people's faces. So that's a little bit more about uh, the buy one, feed one. And so I, I see from your website, you guys are, are registered as a B Corp. What is the, yep. uh, what's the process of, of becoming a B Corp and potentially some challenges that come along with that? So B Corp is actually a certification status. A benefit corporation is you're actually a legal entity that has gone through the B Corp certification. In Wisconsin, unfortunately, you cannot become a benefit corporation. However, there's, I believe, not like 32 states that you can where they've passed legislation. So for Yum Butter, uh, we decided to be a B Corp now over two and a half years ago. We were the third B Corp in the state of Wisconsin. And for us, a couple of the reasons why we chose to do that, one was we were, in essence, running as a B Corp before we even knew what a B Corp was, right? So a lot of the things that allowed you to apply for the assessment for the B Corp was was in our ethos and our DNA just by sheer nature of how we wanted to run our business. So we said, great, how cool is this, this platform that can actually give us some accountability metrics and put some structure around what we're doing and allow us to keep pushing our own envelope. And you get a fairly robust assessment, and it literally scrapes every single element and aspect of your company, and you get assessed. And if you pop out the other side with uh, an 80% or higher, you get to become a certified B Corporation or a B Corp. And then if you have that and you want to be apply for the legal status, you can do that if you're in the states that accept that kind of legal filing status. So for us, we got reassessed. You get reassessed every two years. And um, obviously, you hope to go up. And we went from like an 84 to 100%. So we're really excited about that. And then Yum Butter was recognized as some of the top 10% in the community awards for the Best for the World B Corp last year. So basically, the impact that we're having in comparison to our overall size of the company. But it's really cool. Um, there's some really big companies that have jumped on the B Corp train one in the food space. I think the first one really to push that message out was Plum Organics. And Plum became a B Corp actually as they were being acquired. So they really put their stance behind B Corp. And then one of the the largest uh, distribution companies in the space is called Kehi. They just became a B Corp last year, which is really, really great. They're just cool being a part of that community and, and that conversation to really, again, it kind of dovetails exactly what we're doing. How can we keep using business as a catalyst for change? Has there been anything in particular that you've found most effective in the way of getting that message out there that you guys have this great mission? 
Uh, you're in these new stores. I know you mentioned the brand ambassador program and these these mini, mini yep. kind of campaigns. Would you say those are the most effective, or is there anything else that you guys have? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because um, there's been a lot of conversation around like at the end of the day, what truly do people care about, right? And there's been kind of bigger studies. I was in the the audience of a uh, a panel discussion with the former founder of Method Soap, who now founded the non-dairy beverage company called Ripple. And there was, uh, who else is up there? There was New Belgium Brewery kind of in your area of the woods and Dansko Shoes. And they were talking about like, at the end of the day to the consumer, as of right now, what truly matters? And it still comes down to in the food space, it's taste and it's price. And so how, in, in regard to hierarchy of messaging, where do you place this message about what your company is doing? Because if you're doing it, you kind of want to let people know about it, but you don't want to bonk them over the head with it because then they're like, what are you truly selling? You know, you're selling peanut butter, right? And nut butter. So we've really gone back and forth. And for us, we've always, for the most part, resided on, we need to let our food speak for ourselves. And then, oh, by the way, like, if they decide to do some research on our company, you know, and they find out hopefully in their mind, some of the interesting things that we're doing with our business, then it's just like the icing on the cake. But we don't really want to lead with that messaging because again, at the end of the day, what we have found is consumers really, they care about functionality, you know, nutrition and taste and price. So in regards to how we get that out in a lot of our messaging, it is, we lead with that. We lead with the food itself. And then when there's time and when there's space um, and in a demo that might come when someone's already tried our food and they're like, oh, wow, this is amazing almond butter. And we're like, oh, yeah, cool. And, you know, another thing that we do with our company is we do a program called the Buy One Feed One. We wouldn't start, you know, the demo with, hey, we're a Buy One Feed One company. Um, but some people will name their company after like their mission. And again, that's, there's nothing wrong with that by any means. It's just for us, we decided to like kind of really try to let the food speak for itself. And, and then ultimately, that's pretty much the foundation of what we think is the baseline. Like, you know, being a buy one, feed one social mission company, that's just kind of like the normal. And why would anyone else do anything different? So it's almost like it's, there's nothing special about it. No, I think that's a really uh, novel way to look at, at your own business and just business in general is why wouldn't you use business as a vehicle for a bigger mission? So uh, I think that, mm -hmm. that speaks highly to, to you and to Yum Butter in general. So is there anything throughout the, the course of, of growing Yum Butter? Is there a hard learning or learning experience that, that would have made your life a lot easier had you known it when you first started? <laughs> oh, the list is endless. Um, <laughs> the answer is yes, yes, and yes. Uh, everything takes 10 times longer than you initially you know anticipate. So don't plan on it going right. You know, everything breaks down and you're putting out fires every day, but it's just normal. So, so get over it. And then the fact that like you can have the coolest thing in your mind in the whole world, and that doesn't mean anyone's going to want to buy it. And uh, really understanding the consumer behavior, understanding the timing, understanding like the way of execution on a much deeper level than what you see on the surface. So those are the things that for us, and we look at all the time, like, okay, wow, you know, there's so much happening just in general, just call it in retail or consumer packaged goods space, and then drill it down to like, there's a lot happening. Like there's a tremendous amount of, you know, brands coming into the nut butters, nut butter spaces is, you know, becoming, I would say more trendy in the last three or four years as people are moving away from, you know, animal proteins to, to plant proteins. 
So how do you really like, how do you position yourself and what techniques and strategies really matter at the end of the day to like allow your brand to kind of sift through the others? Yeah. So those are some of the things that, you know, if I truly deeply understood at the, you know, at the start line six years ago, we probably would have done things a little bit differently. Is there anything else that you, you do on a regular basis from a productivity standpoint that, uh, that helps you mm-hmm. get more work done or to focus on the things you need to be focusing on as a CEO? Yeah. A big thing for me is just, I want to make sure that the team is really is well and happy. And if they feel cared for, if they feel heard, if they feel understood, I'm personally checking in with them. I'm not just like, Hey, did you get your stuff done? But it's like, I want to know like how you are, like, you know, break it down. And so there's like this deep acceptance with, I, at least I try to create that with the team. And I think once there's that, then they can operate, you know, clearer, more efficiently, they have a sense of being cared for. Therefore, they're going to go the extra mile and, and doing what needs to be done to like sell more yum butter, I guess. And so for us, it's just that it's that personal connection where I try to you know connect in with everyone and then get everyone else connecting in and just making sure that there's no like a lot of the, the stuff that could drain productivity, which is like drama and cattiness. You know, we're a small organization still. And so we all have to be really humming. And um, if one person's kind of you know, down and out, like it, it has a big effect on everybody. So we do our best to kind of surround that and, um, you know, just create a, a really safe space where people can come in and it's, um, you know, you just accept it and, you know, let's just rock and roll. Through that process, were there any books that you've read that you would definitely recommend to somebody in your shoes or wanting to be in your shoes someday? Yeah, um, it's it's kind of a, a couple. Some are like cliche and classic old school, but how to win friends and influence people you know, an old Dale Carnegie book. It's also Compassionate Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. It's like a nonviolent communication. You know, I'm not a, I'm kind of exposing myself here. I'm not like the hugest reader. I'd listen to a tremendous amount of podcasts, but I, I glean information from talking to people. So obviously that's what I do with others. Right. But it's been really about surrounding myself with people who I feel have really amazing wisdom and doing exactly what you're doing with me. But I would interview them and be like, what just to dive deeper into their psychology of people and, and um, kind of habits, routines. And, um, and it really comes down to, you know, a lot of times the basics is like put yourself in other people's shoes, learn compassion, you know, tell the truth and like literally like the basics of, of human morality. And then I think a lot of the other stuff is taken care of when you do that. Hmm. That's great. And this has been a really great interview getting to hear how you have built the fundamentals of, of Yum Butter on not just a great product, but also a much bigger mission and, and the, the culture has played into so much of a factor to that. So where can people go to find out more about Yum Butter and, and what you guys have on the horizon? Aside from Target, everyone should go to Target and check out. I think you guys are yeah, going to crush absolutely. it there. Cool. I appreciate that. Um, obviously, our website, yumbutter.com, um, you can surf around there and, and check out what we're doing. Uh, on the West Coast, the best spot is going to be uh, you know Whole Foods and some of the independent natural grocery retailers like Mother's Market, uh, Jimbo's, and uh, New Seasons Market and stuff up in the, the Pack Northwest. Rocky Mountain region, you can find us at Whole Foods and Vitamin Shop and then Target Nationwide. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Matt. Yeah, I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast. For interview transcripts or to download your free social media ebook, check out foodmarketingnerds.com. <laughs>